Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Bible Prophecy. For today, my name is Heather, and uh, I want to come back uh, to an article that I touched on earlier today before I had to go to work, and um, that was about uh, the climate change, right? And so it says, worshiping the creation rather than the creator. The climate crisis is acting as a catalyst for a new world religion. And this is written by Dean Dwyer from Queensland, Australia. And I absolutely enjoy his articles. So you guys there in Australia, y'all have one very good reporter. And boy, I'm glad you guys do. But let's check out this article. And it was posted in HarbingersDaily.com on December the 5th. Um, of this year. So, he says, Is there a dark side to religious environmentalism? So, between the 6th and the 18th of November, the UN Climate Conference, or the COP27, was held on the Sinai Peninsula in Sharm el-Sheikh, Egypt. What may not be so well known is that religious leaders from across the three monotheic faiths signed the Jerusalem Climate Declaration just prior to the climate conference. Their stated aim was to encourage and empower religious communities around the world to curb climate change. I know I talked about this, guys. And so we'll talk about it a little bit more. It's quite disturbing, but, you know, this is what's going on these days. I'm telling you what. So anyway, he goes, he says, uh, it has been revealed that interfaith leaders also gathered at the conference to call for climate justice in a ceremony of repentance during which a new Ten Commandments, quote, was conceived or um, yep conceived wow folks the organizations responsible for coordinating this were the elijah interfaith institute and its board of world religious leaders the interfaith center for sustainable development <laughs> the peace department a u.s nonprofit organization and climate activist yosef abramowitz Yes, folks. So, however, the new Ten Commandments are not so new. The Ten Commandments of Climate Change were devised some time ago by Pope Francis. An article from 2015 cites the Pope calling for a cultural revolution to halt the disturbing warming of our planet. The actual document being 184 pages in length, it is no surprise that Pope Francis is a leading voice in promoting the coming together of world religions to address what is widely perceived as in existential crisis. He has always encouraged interreligious dialogue and collaboration. This was clearly demonstrated in the first ever Pope video message on his monthly prayer intentions in 2016, in which he made the assertion that regardless of religion, we are all children of God. The feature, or I'm sorry, the video featured representatives of Christianity, Islam, Buddhism, and Judaism, all of whom proclaim their respective beliefs in God, Jesus Christ, Allah, and Buddha, and who then declare their common belief in love. Yes, folks, which is all blasphemy and heretical. I'm just going to throw that in there. Um, just because when I said that all out of my mouth, which is a blatant lie, that I had to clarify that, that this is an article, right? This is a written article, and this is what the Pope is promoting which we all know the Bible says is a lie. So moving right along back to the article, Scripture, and this is where Dean Dwyer comes in, and he says, Scripture, however, disagrees with the Pope. We are all made in the image of God, but we are not all children of God. In John 1, 10 to 13, we read, He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came into his own, his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. 
Yes, folks. If you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, you don't have the Holy Spirit living in you, then you are not a child of God. Don't throw that out there. Anyway, back to the article. In our time, the focus of this interfaith movement appears to be what is commonly termed the climate crisis. One of the plans was to hold a large ceremony of repentance on Jabal Musa, purportedly the biblical Mount Sinai site. However, only a small group of faith leaders were allowed due to security concerns. As we know, Mount Sinai is a sacred place of revelation. It was the place where God's Ten Commandments were revealed to Moses and written by the finger of God on the two stone tablets. On Moses' Mount Sinai ascension, he was away so long that the Israelites, thinking he may have died, demanded Aaron make an idol for them to worship and to go before them as their God on their travels. Aaron made a golden calf, and the people rejoiced. When God revealed this to Moses, he descended in a rage, and witnessing the celebration, smashed the stone tablets in anger, perhaps to demonstrate how badly the Israelites had broken God's law on this matter. In a mock representation of this historic event, climate activist Yosef Abramowitz smashed two tablets atop Jabal Musa to symbolize the world's lack of action on climate change. Blasphemy, people. Anyway, uh, in doing so, Yosef was expressing anger at man's disregard for the earth rather than man's rebellion against God's eternal law as per Moses' action. One of these tablets was painted with the words broken promises in Hebrew. The other was painted green to symbolize the green commandments. Rabbi Yonatan Nerol, the founder of the ICSD, stated, The climate crisis is a spiritual crisis, and therefore we need the world's religious leaders to address the problem. We will do everything to unite as many religious leaders as possible in the world to act on the climate issue. The interfaith, remember that word, folks, the interfaith, yes, Redress of the climate crisis has now been initiated, with representatives of all world's major religions gathering simultaneously on November 13th in London, Sharm el-Sheikh in Jerusalem, and many other locations around the world to hold a climate repentance ceremony. It's interesting to note that the places chosen were high points. London's Parliament Hill and high points in Jerusalem, Salt Lake City, Utah, Ecuador, India's Mount Abu, etc., the leaders walked together in a prayerful, penitential march with scrolls bearing the ten principles for climate repentance. This was followed by a planned series of climate change events for religious leaders all over the world, uniting for the sake of the planet. Biblically speaking, the high places were the sites of pagan rituals. Let me throw that in there. He says, all Christians agree that God has commanded us to be good stewards of the earth. And in this, we could certainly do better. Care for God's creation is supported by a number of passages in the Bible. The original call to stewardship being in Genesis 1.28. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. So, there is no dispute that we are charged to look after the planet on which we live. However, God's first two commandments clearly state that we are to have no other gods before him and are not to make idols. Therefore, questions need to be asked regarding the spirit of this movement. Have God's commandments been replaced by new commandments? Has the earth become an object of worship rather than stewardship? There is no doubt that in addition to emotional manipulation, Imagery and religious language are being used by this movement. New prophets, new commandments, a new covenant, and even a new Echo Bible. In Amazon, Kindle number one bestseller, by the way, 
are examples. A quick internet search will also reveal an ever-increasing and evolving pantheistic view uh, worldview through the popular uh, popularity of Gaia worship, honoring the earth and reducing the human impact thereon. In other manifestations of earth, earth worship, which emphasize worshiping the creation rather than the creator. What appears to be occurring is that our, quote, climate crisis is acting as a catalyst for a new religion embraced by many belief systems. This new religion is a non-judgmental, feel-good religion of ecumenism, promoting unity among the world's Christian churches, inclusion, and acceptance of all people and all lifestyles. Notably, the only exception, the only people being rejected are the remnant followers of Jesus Christ. Well, folks, I should tell you something right there. That right there should tell you. Mm. That um, this is the end time one world religion spoken of by the book of Revelation. Folks, you know, people can hypothesize and they can think there could be something else coming along. But guys, I think we are in the end of the end times and things are happening so fast and have happened so fast and continue. Uh, signs are converging at such a speed right now that it is. Yeah, I mean, like when Jesus said these things will happen quickly, he gets the word from tacos, which we get our English word tachometer, which, you all know, I drive a Honda. <laughs> I have a, I have an old 30, almost, almost 30 year old Honda Del Sol. And that is, um, that car is tried and true. Um, it's blue and, um, it is, I, I enjoy the car, you know, can drive it with the top off in the summertime and it's a little five speed and you can rev the engine. And that's what those Hondas are made for, if you know. So if you if you drive a, a little sports car or any kind of car that you may drive, there's a tachometer on that. And if you don't know what that is, that's that gauge on the side. It's your revolutions per minute. That's how many revolutions your motor is, is turning. And so um, anyway, so if you hit that gas, that thing is going to, boy, it goes up there right. And if you hit a red line, you probably don't want a red line too much because it can run your engine that way. But um, so it goes faster and faster and faster. And that's what Jesus said would happen in the end days when these things quickly, quickly, he said, quickly, quickly, that goes quickly. These things will happen quickly, which means when they start, they're going to continue. And once they start happening, it's, they're just going to keep happening faster and faster and faster. And how did he describe that? Jesus described it as pregnant, uh, pains upon, uh, yeah, pregnant pains upon you know not pregnant pains i'm sorry labor pains upon a pregnant woman and so you know how those start out you know they're kind of slow and then of course you know they get a little closer a little closer, and more intense and more intense and next thing you know you know, boom you're in you know whoo you better get to the hospital and um uh, so anyway these things are all happening and we see these things all happening so folks when you see these happening you know it is great deception when they start pulling in christian churches pay very close attention to the quote christian quote churches that they're pulling in okay these folks are not christians they're not christians um you know what was it what's his name chris lom that wasn't i'm telling you he's also the one that started church planting and you know we need to this is churches of business and now you have all these churches with these coffee shops and you know it's all about me it's all about how i it's all about me how do i look while i'm worshiping it's all about me it's music it's all i'm gonna tell you something people worshiping god is not just in music it's not just in music worshiping god is how you live your life you read your bible you pray you give honor to him you glorify god with your life that's what that means to bring glory to god when people say when you praise god what does that mean you bring glory to him you glorify him and so 
that's what's very disturbing in these end times. Um, they they make these churches seeker sensitive. Is what they call us. This secret, this is seeker sensitive. That's what we don't need to scare them away. Look, honey, I tell you the truth. Do you think the Apostle Paul was seeker sensitive when it came to stuff? Do you think this is how they preached in the homes in the old days? Do you think they got lectures for being like that? <laughs> I saw this thing on Facebook the other day, or it was on Instagram, and it said, um. If if we were if we were the church today, we would be getting if Paul was alive today, the United States would be getting a letter from him. The churches would get a letter from Paul. And uh, I I think the church right now that we are living in is a church spoken of in the book of Revelation. We are the lukewarm church. I think that's what that is. The church of Laodicea. And uh there is a remnant of believers. The Bible talks about the remnant. There's not a very it's not a huge vast number of these believers in the end times folks true believers you can profess to be a christian or you look at kanye oh i'm a christian whatever now his name is a yay or whatever who knows and he's an anti-semite really <laughs> seriously and he calls himself a christian i'm just saying you can call yourself a christian you can sit in a church and you can go to and you can be baptized i tell you right now baptism doesn't get you to heaven you have got to be born again you have got to be born again by the blood of jesus christ you have to be born again so you can sit in a church all day long i'm going to tell you i'll tell you something when the rapture of the church happens when christ comes to take his home do you know what i bet you the churches will be full of people full of people and in the bible he says Many will come to me and stand before me on that day and say, Lord, Lord, I cast out demons in your name. And Lord, Lord, I did this in your name. And he's going to say, depart from me, for I never knew you. You who practice lawlessness, I never knew you. Depart from me. Those are not words I want to hear. Not, oh, those are not words you want to hear. And so you need to remember there will be a remnant left. And what does he say? Wide and broad is the way to hell and many find that path. Narrow is the way to life and narrow is the way to Jesus Christ and very few find that. So take account of your life. Take account of your relationship with Jesus Christ today because if the rapture happened tonight, you're not going to have another chance to do that. You won't have another chance. You could die. You could be gone. Who knows? Who knows what could happen? You could, you know, who knows? You could die in the tribulation. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you need to evaluate your relationship with Jesus Christ today. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, let me tell you, today is the day of salvation. He says, don't wait another moment. There's no special prayer you've got to say. You don't have to be in a church to be saved. You nothing, none of that. You yourself on your own have to say and know that you are a sinner. You have to know what you're being saved from. You have to know why you need a Savior. Have you ever lied? Have you ever stolen anything? Have you ever looked at somebody in lust? Have you ever anything? Anything. You've sinned one time. And we've all lied. Everybody has sinned. You've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Is what the Bible says. The wages of that is death. We deserve death. But guess what? Jesus made a way. God made a way. And he sent Jesus Christ, his son, to come into this world. Come into this world. Born of a virgin. Born of Mary, the virgin. He lived a perfect, sinless life. So that he became the atonement of our sins. He hung on a cross. He took the punishment of God in your and my place. In our place. He took that punishment of sin upon him who knew no sin. To be sin for us. That's what he did. For you and me. So that we would have eternal life with God the Father. We would have a way. We would have a way to be forgiven of our sins. 
That's what he did for you and me. And guess what? By the power of God, he raised him. God raised him three days later from the grave. And so you know why that is important. Because that same power that raised God is going to raise you and me in the end days. When Christ comes back, that's the power right there. And he ascended to God 30 days later. He sits on the right hand throne of God. He said it's finished. You know why? Because it's finished. It is finished. Jesus Christ has won the victory. And the Bible says that you and I who are Christians, we are actually seated with Christ in heavenly places right now as we are believers right now. So if you want to be forgiven for your sins, because you know you're a sinner, if you want to be forgiven, if you want to be made brand new, because the Bible says, the Bible says, you will be a brand new creature in Christ. You will be brand new your old sinful wretched self guess what that's left behind that's behind god forgives you and jesus says as far as the east is from the west is as far as he has removed your transgressions from you which means they're gone god said i have blotted them out and remember them no more so if you've ever wanted to be forgiven if you ever wanted to be brand new if you ever wanted to be made right with god almighty today is the day to do that today is the day please Please, if you know somebody who is not saved, please pray for them. Please pray that God would save them. Please pray for them. So there's no special prayer that you have to say. There's no place you've got to be. You can drive down your road. You can sit on your couch eating Cheetos. I don't care. <laughs> you just have to know I am a wretched sinner and I need a Savior. And you know what you do? You cry out to Jesus Christ. You say, Jesus, please forgive me of my sins. Guess what? You are forgiven. Jesus, please be my Savior. Guess what? He's your Savior. Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. So all you got to say is, Jesus, I believe. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I believe it. I believe you. Please forgive me. Please be my Savior. And that's it. That is your prayer. And however you want to word it, doesn't matter. Anyway, guys, I'm going to get off of here. I know y'all can't stand to listen to my voice. I can barely stand to listen to my voice. <laughs> But I did want to talk about that article. And you guys can find it at harbingersdaily.com. Harbingersdaily.com. Anyway, guys, if you want some more articles, go to olivetrees, uh, olivetreeviews.org. And uh, Harbingers Daily is great. There's a lot of good ones. Um, I'll try to get back on tomorrow before I go to work and uh, sift through some more articles. And, you know, we live in a we, we live in some dark times, guys, some very dark times. And I'm reading through Psalms right now. But I do want to throw this one tidbit out there. I love Chuck Swindoll. I really do. He does have a devotional, and uh, it's called Perfect Trust. Uh, it's Charles Earl Swindoll. You guys can check that out probably in eBay or wherever you want to go. But um, the one that I just read um, was pretty cool. It was today. Um, it says, God takes us through struggles and difficulties so that we might become increasingly more committed to him. So he says, uh, since he took care of our greatest need at Calvary by giving us Christ, then you can be sure he will take care of everything else he considers important for us. So uh, he kind of went back and he went back to the story in First Kings um, chapter 17, talking about Elijah. And guys, if you haven't read that story, you know, you might want to go back and read that story today, tonight. Uh, trust God for the impossible. Because you remember Elijah, um, he's like, you know, I don't have any food. There was the famine, all that. He goes, go to the woman, to the old woman who um, and her son. And why am I going to give you more? Because it's a good story. And you guys should go check it out and read that tonight. I think it's in uh, 1 Kings chapter 17. Anyway, go check out that story. 
I mean, if you want a good good book to read, a little good like short devotional kind of type book like that, go to Perfect Trust, Charles Swindoll, and you'll have that to read. Um, anyway, give you some hope. And one other thing I am reading, it's um, 12 Extraordinary Women by um, John MacArthur. Ladies out there um, have lost their femininity. They've lost it. There's no real feminine women. I mean, there are. I'm not saying there's no. But this world today um, has totally corrupted that and made it into something that it's not. And uh, they, and of course, Satan has a way of doing that, right? We do live in a fallen world. Yes, he's real good at that, right? Making all this stuff, you know, corrupted. And so, but go check out that book. All you young ladies out there and women my age, all women, we'll put this all women, especially young women, um, teenage girls, young women need to read that book. If you know granddaughters, daughters, you know, sisters, cousins, whatever, get them that book. John MacArthur, 12 Extraordinary Women, and it talks about um, the creation, how women were created, uh, the pinnacle, and it's absolutely wonderful. And what the world tells you feminine is and what the Bible tells you what it is. And uh, we have lost that. We've lost that beauty. And uh, let me go check it out. It's wonderful. Anyway, guys, I'm going to I'm going to jump off here. You know, in Texas, we have to say bye at least three times before we actually say bye. <laughs> That's just how we do it in the South. So anyway, guys, with that, I'm going to get out of here. So get in the word of God. Let the word of God get into you. And Maranatha, Lord Jesus, Maranatha. Thank you guys so much for listening. May God bless each and every one of you.